0: Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. We are back, and uh, we are continuing to talk about humanity in the image of God, male and female, created he, them. And uh, we, in these first four lessons, are kind of laying the groundwork, laying the foundation. Uh, We're talking a lot about creation and uh, the fall. And in this lesson, we're talking about redemption, but we're not talking about it in generic terms. We're talking about it specifically through Jesus Christ. And the focus of this lesson is the way in which Jesus Christ as the God-man, special emphasis on the fact that Jesus is man, that as the God-man, Jesus is able to bring about our redemption in a unique way uh, because he is truly one of us. I am joined in the studio, as always, by the Reverend Matthew Barfield. Hello there. Oh, and Pastor Brandon, I almost forgot. I am also here. Pastor Brandon, that was awkward. (laughs) Um, uh, We're continuing to go through uh, with this, and one of the things that I start off talking about is the fact that Jesus was Fully human. From the tip of his head to the bottom of his feet, Jesus was and is totally and completely human. And normally we think of Jesus as God, and that's right because he is God, but we don't as often consider the fact that Jesus is human. So the question I want to start off with is why don't we think of Jesus as a man?
1: Well, I think we just see all the things that he does and we just automatically just lean towards the sign of divinity because of the miracles. And I I think for me personally, it's like, Sometimes I can use his perfection, even moral perfection and sinlessness as like as an, an excuse for mine. Like sure. well, well, he he was he was God. Like it, it's okay. And I know I'm supposed to be like him, but I can't. And I think that's the natural bent of our flesh is like, I can't be like that. I'm not God. And so we don't focus on that the aspect of um Jesus as man, as well as we just don't like to think of God being like us and facing hunger and thirst and and pain that doesn't necessarily compute with our idea of of God.
2: Yeah. The separateness of God. Certainly we know Jesus is fully God. So Mm -hmm. we, we think with a thing that's different from us, I know lots of men. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know anyone else like God. So, so by putting him in the category of people that I know, I, it it almost takes away his specialness or it feels like it would take away his specialness. So we're, the Bible tasks us to do something that's very, very hard, which is hold these two things that seem impossible together, right? That he is fully God, that he is fully man, and to let that sit the way it, it's stated. Um, because we, but we, have no, we have nothing to compare it to. It's not like we can say, oh, yeah, I, I, understood, that. I understood that a little bit because of this other thing I saw. There's, mm-hmm. how, do you, yeah. how do you get close to it? You either, you either look at it and you believe it by faith, or you don't, and it's it's a big thing, and then applying it daily is hard because it's so much unlike mm-hmm.
1: everything else. Yeah, our our main picture of of man is fallen and broken, and uh, he's perfect man, and that's hard for us to kind of fathom. Yeah, but it
2: is mm-hmm. weird though. It's at some level, too. Like it, it ought to just encourage us. Yeah, like wait, that that's possible. Yeah, like that, somebody can actually accomplish exactly. that. A man yes. can do that. Like that ought to be, that ought to stir us. I think I may mean, have told you guys before that one of the most discouraging things as a missionary is to come back from a trip, come back from overseas, share what God did. And hear, hear people say things like, yeah, that never happens here. <laughs> and it's like, I didn't bring that back to discourage you. Like yeah. I brought that back because if it happened there, it can happen anywhere. Like God right. can do things like that. that don't, I don't discourage you. Um, and so I think th- this is the same kind of thing. We see that Jesus as man lived and did these things and, was right with God, and brought salvation to all of us, it ought to be the greatest cause of joy that that the man Christ Jesus accomplished this.
1: Yeah, and hope one day yeah. God's going to perfect me. There you go. That That's awesome. What he started, he's going to complete. I think
0: another reason that we often lean towards the divinity rather than the humanity is because when you look at the false teachers around us, what they always want to deny is the divinity of Christ. You've got the Jehovah's Witnesses, you've got the Mormons, you've got the Muslims. You know, you've got the, you know, even the atheists, they're always wanting to deny, to deny, well, Jesus wasn't really God. He was a man. Everyone accepts that pretty much. Oh, yeah, he was a man. So, in reaction to the false teachers, we're always like, no, Jesus really was God. He really was God. He really was God. And I think sometimes we lean so far in that direction that we kind of fall off and we forget, mm-hmm. but he also was man. He really, truly was man. And it's interesting because, you know, even as John is writing his letter, he's making the statement if anyone does not believe that Jesus has come in the flesh, during his time, they're denying the true humanity of Jesus, and so it's a, it's a point of orthodoxy. Like, if right. you're going to be a Christian, you have to believe Jesus came in the flesh. Now we have the opposite. Everyone believes Jesus came in the flesh. Was he really God? And so in our attempt to say, no, he really, truly was God, sometimes I think we, we go too far and we forget the fact, well, Jesus was human too, and that matters. Good point. So,
1: yeah, theologically, there's always a pendulum swing. Yeah. All right. Maybe not always, typically a pendulum swing.
0: So we're looking uh, at three aspects. In our first three lessons, we looked at the image of God, the dominion mandate, and the fall. And so for each of these, we're going to see how Jesus is the ultimate image of God, uh, how Jesus accomplishes the dominion mandate fully and completely. And then we're going to look at how Jesus reverses what God, uh, I should say, what man introduced through the fall. So let's look first of all at Jesus and the image of God. Uh, John 14 doesn't use the word image. The word image is used several times specifically in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Colossians 1, 15. But I think an interesting passage that definitely has this concept, even if it doesn't use the exact language, is John 14 and uh, verse 7. Brandon, are you open to that right now? I am. Can you read those verses for us?
1: Start in 7 and go to 9? Yeah, 7 through 9. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord... Show us the Father, and it suffices thus. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? So there's kind of an interesting back and forth between Jesus and
0: Philip here. Jesus says, You've seen the Father. Philip says, No, we haven't. Jesus says, Yes, you have. You've seen me. So the question I want us to think about is, Why do you think Philip? wanted more than what Jesus had given him because Jesus says, well, I've given you enough. Philip says, well, you haven't. We want to see the father. Jesus says, you've seen the father. If you've seen me, why was it that, that Jesus had to say that? Why hadn't that occurred to Philip at this point?
2: Maybe his expectation from accounts of temple worship, you know, what a Jew would be thinking Mm -hmm. when Yahweh came into the room. um, It was pretty noticeable. It was (laughs) a pretty big uh, event. And so, when they had the annual sacrifice, Shekinah glory comes down, when they had these things taking place, it would be something in their consciousness, the, the Jewish mind, that, that you know when God's here. Mm, and yeah. so so mm-hmm. for Jesus to say that's already occurred, it would be like, whoa, was I sleeping? What happened? Mm-hmm. How did I miss that? I, that seems to make sense to me, that there would be some mm-hmm. sort of expectation of something
1: unmissable, unmistakable about it. Yeah, I think back to when Jesus asked the disciples, who do, who do men say that I am? And they, they see Jesus, and people were mistaken about who he was. Some said Elijah, and then Peter makes his, his strong statement, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Um, so they are, and, and even the disciples are always asking, when's the kingdom coming? When's the kingdom coming? Right. And the, Thomas has just asked the question too, so I think we kind of get Philip a little bit of a bad rap, because Thomas is basically like, hey, we don't know where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, how can we follow you? and he just said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so now he's like, uh, okay, so how, we haven't seen him. W- where are you going? So there's there's a lot of confusion going on with the disciples ask here. ask the rabbi. Right. <laughs> yeah, ask the rabbi. <laughs> um, so I think they were just kind of expecting more, and even if you put in the background of their thinking, the the kingdom thought and um, all, all that came along with that probably is is, is big part of it as well. <clears throat> So then, what does Jesus mean when he says that whoever had seen
0: him has seen the Father?
2: You know, I think I think this is a challenge for all of us to to notice what we're standing on. It's hard to see what you're standing on because you're standing on it. And um, so I don't I don't know exactly where you're trying to go with this, but I, I think of of I don't necessarily have somewhere I'm trying to go. I'm just yeah as we're thinking probing this idea. It's like a yeah. true. Small yeah. group discussion. That's wow, right. This is a, Yeah, <laughs> it's authentic, folks. It's just being recorded. I don't always ask leading questions. Yeah. Well, I think so. It's sometimes hard to see what you're standing on. One thing I did uh, several years back was I was worried about large-scale power outages. I know nobody's ever been afraid of that, but I went and I turned off the main breaker of my house for a weekend. Like EMP bursts? It's something like that. Yeah. Like an EMP. Yeah, yeah. Is there one coming? I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> anyway, you I've voluntarily of, did this.
0: I've thought yeah. about it, but I've never yeah, done anything it's a, about it. it. It's
2: a good thing it says. Like, you, you think, oh, I know. I need something to cook on, something to, you know, I have to keep things cold and, and do this. And then there's all these areas in which you have not realized that the power was flowing through your house until you cut that thing off and go, oh, there it is. So obviously, there is a supernatural presence of God that is unmissable, as in the temple sort of situation. But then here is the divine with them. And they've assumed it. They've assumed that Mm -hmm. this is normal. I think this applies to Christians today in America. And we're very careful as Bible believers, as people that are evangelical, minded with the gospel, evangelistic. You you can't get saved without personal faith in Christ. Period. The end. Yes. But you have benefits of being in this place because the gospel has been here. And it's affected this place. Is it soul salvation for eternity? No, it's not. But there is some, some way in which you can say... You're living in a Christian nation and you're getting the benefit of that, whether you are saved or not. Right? So, I think what's happening here is Jesus is telling Philip, there are things happening that you're not aware of. You haven't, you're not appreciating it, but it's, it's profound. It's way more profound than you realize. It's actually God here with you in me. And this is what it looks like it looks like me. And I think sometimes. We are we we turn from that. We don't stop and think about it. Consider what is it that that Christ in Matt Barfield, Ben Hicks, Brandon Hamilton, what is what does that mean? How how deep is that? How profound is that? How connected is that? And what are the full implications of that? What are the blessings of that? And what's what's wrong when we miss it? I think I think those are things that we don't stop because we're standing on it, so we can't see it. Philip had been with Jesus all this time, yeah. and and he and he's standing on it. He couldn't see it it's it's an assumption jesus is jesus and we're with him and jesus is like you're missing this you're missing this thing you've been with me so therefore you have seen the father and don't miss it
0: i think too um you know the idea of the shekinah glory um they were looking for you know a light show so to speak and that's you know there's something to that there's there's a glory of god that we're going to see one day uh, Moses is told that if if he was to behold the full true glory of God, it would kill him um well even getting a, a taste of that would would certainly be exciting but I think what jesus is is pointing out here is that he has reflected perfectly the heart and the character of the father, and that's that's what they needed that's what's that was what was important for them that that should have been enough and I think for us, you know we would love to have. A light show. You know, I would love for the heavens to be open and to get just a glimpse of a, of a portion of God's glory. That would be, I'm sure that, you know, that would that would be life-changing. And yet even Peter says, we saw his glory when we were on the heavenly mount, but we have a more sure word of prophecy. Yeah. And what I can learn about God from scripture, I think is far more valuable than we give it credit for. Yes, we don't get to see Jesus. That would have been a tremendous opportunity to see God in flesh, but we have the record of him. And we have the record of God in the Old Testament, and from those we can get a real vision of who God is. Even if we don't get to see the tangible, visible well, glory of God, First
2: John one, he's very clear. He's like, "We write these things so that you might have fellowship with us. Mm-hmm. Truly, our fellowship is with God the Father, with His Son Jesus Christ, and uh, you, we write this that you might have your joy full. Mm-hmm. We're not. There's no diminution of Christianity because we're two thousand years away. Mm-hmm. This is. Mm-hmm. It's it's conveyed correctly and accurately, and we can have it. I think of the going back to the contrast between the small and the great displays of power or glory or expression, I think of Elijah when he runs from Jezebel. Hmm. Right. And here, you know, if I said, God's going to come, and it's going to be a whirlwind and shake the ground. You know, I'd be like, yeah, I want to see that. (laughs) Like, yeah, let's see that. Uh, But God's not in that right? for Elijah. Elijah comes out and he thinks, you know, and then what's got in, he's in the still small voice. And here's Jesus, you know, speak the word, the word become flesh. Who's who's now standing in front of Philip? You've seen him. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure he didn't yell it when he said it, right? It's probably another still small voice. This is me. This is this is who you're looking for. Yeah.
1: And at this point, he's already seen a lot of miracles in the book, especially yeah. at this yeah. point in the book of John. Um, and he's seen that power. But again, right in front of his face, as Matt started with, is is Jesus's humanity, and then Jesus to point out, hey, I, I am one with the Father. Right. There, there is divinity here too. Yeah. And he po- points that out, um, as well. Uh, and yeah, I think we so easily, we want to look for the divinity that we miss the humanity and, um, Jesus sacrificed a lot to come and, and redeem us as the theme of this whole, whole passage is this whole lesson, excuse me. Yeah.
0: Well, let's keep going. We've seen that Jesus is the image of God and, uh, he is the image of God par excellence. He's, uh, he seeing him is seeing the father. We also see that, uh, When Jesus comes, uh, he comes to uh, regain the kingdom that was lost. He comes to Mm -hmm. rule over the earth as was the original plan. So a couple of passages that talk about this in the New Testament. We've got Romans 8.20. It says, uh, For the creature or the creation, uh, same word there, was made subject to vanity or emptiness, futility, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the fruit first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to it, or that is, the redemption of our bodies. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is uh, seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope? Um, and he goes on and he he continues talking about that, but Really the idea here is that all of creation is groaning, waiting for the time when Christ will return. It talks about our adoption. Uh, it talks about the fact that you know he is coming back to set up a kingdom and when he does, the the effects of the curse will be will be reversed and he will will rule as uh, as is fitting. Daniel 7 deals with this quite a lot. This is a, a critically important passage where we have the Son of man who comes up to the ancient of days and we're told he receives, a kingdom. Uh, let me see here. Uh, so, and we could we could go through and, and talk about that uh, quite a bit. Jesus alludes to that passage when he's uh, being brought before uh, the Pharisees uh, and is about ready to be executed. Um, but let's let's take a step back. What difference does it make for us to realize that Christ will return one day to set up a kingdom? And how would such a belief change the way we look at our world today and the way that we live in it?
2: Well, it's got to give us some this incredible idea of completion. This mm-hmm. this thing that he started is going to actually be what it's supposed to be. God's, God's plan isn't derailed. It's God's plan isn't stopped. Uh, so when it comes to dominion mandate and the help, you know, what is what was man made to do, he's going to do it, and, and it's going to happen in the person of Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, I, I think— even you and I were having a conversation about this the other day, kind of on a, a related line of thought, because sometimes we're like, we get defeated. Sometimes we look at the world around us and we're like, oh, it's so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, We might as well just give up because things are going to get worse and worse. And, and I often just think of Second Peter 3 where uh, people are saying, hey, judgment is coming, Jesus is going to return, and people mock that and say, hey, he's not coming back. The world's going to continue as it always been. And then Peter basically says, whoa, 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 the Lord's not slack concerning his promises. Some men can slackness, um, but he's long-suffering and patient towards us, not willing that any should perish. And I think how should that cha- That belief change the way they look at our world today is he is coming back, and that ought to motivate me because the reason he is waiting to come back to judge is so that He he's not willing that any should perish, and that ought to motivate me to accomplish his mission. And I think one of the things that I personally struggle with often is just to lose sight of my mission and I, it, my time fills with stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it it's not pushed forward by mission until we're I'm really intentional about that. And why are we still here? Because we're on a mission to join God in His mission to see people saved. And I, I was convicted about that this morning. So how that that belief is going to change how I live in my world and how I interact with my neighbors tonight and tomorrow, if um, I see them as God sees them. Very good. Um,
0: We'll come to this last point. Uh, We'll just keep moving here. And uh, Jesus and the fall. So what we do now is we've seen that Jesus is the image of God. Uh, Jesus uh, is going to rule as God uh, designed. But then also Jesus restores us in relation to both of those. So through Jesus, we are able to more fully and completely see who God is. And so uh, the image of Christ needs to be seen in us. And then Jesus will one day enable us to rule with him forever. Um, let me see here. Um, what does it mean to be conformed to the image of Christ? We've seen that that phrase shows up a few times, most notably in Romans eight twenty nine. 29. Um, what does it mean to be conformed to the image of Christ?
2: Well, we already talked about sons resembling their fathers and taking on those characteristics and and. With Jesus Christ as the progenitor, the firstborn among many brethren, we should resemble Him. We should have something of His character and those kinds of things in us. Um, One challenge I think of is often is if if the Apostle Paul came into the room today, would we recognize each other? Like would Mm -hmm. would we recognize in each other the image of Christ? Would we Mm -hmm. say, "Hey, he's conformed like I am"? Like would there be that camaraderie and that one of the cool things about traveling around the world? and visiting churches and, and believers, even some that I haven't met yet, is you see this. Mm-hmm. You see these people in different contexts who are conformed to the image of Christ. Hmm. And it's pretty quickly recognizable. And uh, even though culturally they look a little different, they yeah, still look like Christ. Completely different. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. right. But they love the same Lord. They read the same book. They pray to God the same way. Like We we have so much in common. Uh, we hate the world the same way, even hmm. if it takes on different forms. Um, so so those commands to love not the world are, you know, that looks very different in the chinos of Myanmar than it looks here in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. But that impulse is the same impulse. It's the same spirit of God moving it in all of us.
0: Well, and as you look <clears throat> even across, you know, for example, denominational lines, people who disagree with us on points of theology, and that doesn't mean that theology doesn't matter, but sometimes you'll have a, a conversation with someone and it's good to be reminded, like you could tell they have the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, I think right theology matters, but sometimes we can just be like, well, I'm right, therefore it doesn't matter. And you you start talking to people, you know, from different backgrounds or um, different denominations and you begin to realize, you know, Christ is in them and he's changing them. And, you know, is he changing me? He could be changing me more. And, you know, again, sometimes it can be easy just to say, well, I've got the right theology, therefore I'm good instead of actually pushing and saying, no, is is the image of Christ being seen and reflected in me?
1: Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about that question at its core. What does it mean to be conformed to Christ's image? Just as Jesus was able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, hopefully I could say, if, you, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. And that's not always true, but that should be my my goal, that I, I bear his image and I look like him and that I reflect his glory, and I, I'm going to be imperfect. We're all going to be imperfect, but hopefully people can recognize, as we've been saying, hey, he's in Christ, and his life is different and changed.
0: I saw a meme on social media. It said, uh, "It quoted Paul, follow me even as I follow yeah. Christ. And yep. I had this picture of Aslan, and it said Christ. And then I had a picture of Simba, and it said Paul. And then I had like a chicken scratch yeah. line, and it said me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, that's very vivid of what I'm talking about.
0: Man. <laughs> <laughs> And then finally, uh, we see not only does Christ help us uh, to reflect the image of God by giving us an example, but he will enable us to rule with him forever. It's interesting, that passage in Daniel 7, it shows all these great kingdoms of the world. They come and they go and they come and they go. And then at the very end in verse 27, it says, And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. So Jesus receives a kingdom, but at the same time, that kingdom is shared with his followers uh, as well. We see this uh, in Revelation chapter 2, and in chapter 3, Jesus says that those who overcome will rule uh, with him, and the, and the conclusion of the story in Revelation 22, verse 5, is that the saints will reign forever and ever, and um, why do you think it is that we don't as often emphasize the fact that we will one day rule the world with Jesus?
2: It sounds kind of arrogant, I yeah, think. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> um, you know. It's, but I, I think that's not the actual problem. I think the actual problem is, it's it's two sided. So on the one side, we actually love the present kingdoms. We think mm-hmm. well of the present kingdoms. We like what we live in. We like what we've accomplished. We like. How things work. You think about the great things that have ever been made, the pyramids. Um, you think about the palaces in France or the places you saw this summer in Rome. Um, we like to go back and see the accomplishments of kingdoms. We enjoy it, and and we're experiencing it now in the kingdom that we live in. It's not a, it's a democracy, but it's it's a it's an empire. It's a huge development of humankind has coalesced around an idea and these concepts and made this economy and this culture that has produced what we have now. We like that. So I think one reason that we don't long for the next kingdom is that we actually enjoyed this one. Hmm. And so, so we have that problem. Um, and then, and then the other side of that, that, I think is a problem is that we, we don't, we, we don't hate the antithesis of the other kingdom. So when we're looking for Christ's kingdom, that which does despite to it, that which, that which takes away from it or, or, would, or would try to attack it or to, to, to make it look ill, we don't really hate that. And so if we, if you saw a threat to your family, my wife's a great example of this. I told her, because we do have um, you know, firearm in the house. And I said, if someone comes and breaks in the house and you feel threatened and you pull a gun, if they start to run out of the house, you have to let them go. <laughs> like, <laughs> let them run away, okay? She's like, why? I'm like, she, you're never coming back here. <laughs> okay, I got it. I got it. Let them go. But what is that? It's a, she, she looks at the thing as threatening her kingdom and she wants to end it, completely end it. And I think if we... If we love the Lord's kingdom the right way, if we learn to hate the things that are against that kingdom, we will want to end it. We will want to see it done, right? And I, you know, think about think about the man Elijah, who who has to see the promises of God. God said, "If you sin, I'm going to make it like brass. It's not going to rain." And he's watching them all sin and it's still raining. Why did it stop raining? Because he asked for it. Hmm. There shall not be dew nor rain but according to my word. He asked God to keep the promise. And God did right? To imagine asking God to send the blight of no rain for three and a half years. What a terrible, terrible thing that he did. Why did he do that? Because he hated that thing. Mm. He hated that sin that was doing despite to the good thing that was God's kingdom. That's the, that's the thing that we, I think that's the real reason that we don't envision ourselves reigning with Christ. When you reign with Christ, you are going to have to, with him rule with a rod of iron. You're going to be part of the rod of iron. Yeah. Nobody wants to think of it that way. We don't. We don't. We we, we don't
0: like to hurt people's feelings. We don't like
2: to hurt our own feelings, right? <laughs> we're so squishy, and we're looking at this going. And, and I, I want to say this correctly because God is love, right? God is love. God is long-suffering. God is patient. All that has to be there, and it will be there. And I think what's missing though is this part of us that recognizes the enemy and wants to end it and takes action to end it instead of cutting it slack, which is what we often do in our regular experience. So, two problems. We love the current kingdom. Number two, we can't envision ourselves actually executing God's will like that. And so, we
1: distance ourselves from the idea of ruling with Christ. It's amazing how differently our brains work. Matt Barfield (laughs) keeping us on our toes by using phrases
0: like doing despite.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, when I was thinking through that, and I was just like, okay, why why do I not want to? It's like, I look at the world around me, and I'm like, we're not very good good at it yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well i'm bad at this yeah not, right. i mean i look at governments and i'm like uh yeah. jesus can you just do it <laughs> so, so that that's part of it for me and then also i think even in my own heart even as i was sitting and listening to parts of what you're saying um <laughs> with the rest I, of the audience while while also about, thinking yeah. about what you were going to you can you think, think about you what can i was going yeah i was just it. thinking like um why don't i want to rule the world it's because I think it's part of my, my nature that doesn't want the responsibility. Um, yeah, for sure. Contrary to popular belief. Like I, I, I don't like to be in charge of stuff. I'd rather let somebody else do it, but sure. God has given me the responsibility to lead my family. He's called me to lead in our church. He's called me to lead in a lot of different ways that I naturally, I'm like, I'd rather just be on the, like in a dark <laughs> corner somewhere. hiding. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I get it. And, and that's, I think that's part of, and it's, it's interesting to hear you say what you said. That It's because we love this, and our, our, we respond to things differently. And for me, there's a different reason. Like, I think that's we just look around, and we're like, not that good at this. Yeah. Good at this. Like, right. are we going to mess it up again? Sure. Probably, yeah. We well, yeah. We know in Scripture we won't, but— right.
0: <laughs> And I think, too, this statement was made at the beginning, and to me, I think it's the main reason. It just seems so audacious. Yeah. I will rule the world with Christ? Like, who do I think I am? Well— Right. That's what scripture says, right? That's why you were created. You were created to have dominion over the earth. That's the way the story ends. The saints will reign with him forever and ever. We're going to reign in the millennium. I mean, it's one of those. And I think it's one of those themes. There's certain themes I've noticed in scripture that like. If if you don't notice them, you can just read right past them, and then once you notice them, they pop out everywhere. Gratitude is another one, yeah. where if you if you aren't paying attention to it, you can miss it, and then you start paying attention to it, and you realize P- Paul in particular he's just thanking God everywhere all the time for <laughs> that's right stuff, and you're and like, oh God wow, this is
2: always every of the yeah, yeah and then
0: you're like, am I a thankful person? Eesh. Well, I think this this theme of of um of dominion of of which is another word for ruling of, of ruling with Christ. It's one where it's in Daniel seven. And the way you can tell this is because Paul just kind of like will drop it in like 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not realize that we will judge angels? I didn't and I can remember, <laughs>
2: that until I read it. <laughs> Wait, whoa. what? Well, time out. Where did you get that? I supposed that? to realize that? Did I miss that day in class? And it wasn't like he <laughs>
0: takes four or five verses or half a chapter to explain this. He just assumes <laughs> it, drops it off <laughs> as, a, as an argument, and then moves on. They're <laughs> like, whoa, 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 Paul, time out. Can we go back to that thing about ruling angels? Yeah. How does that I'm work educated. in a ruling angels?
2: So I think what you said about earlier and kind of how you thought of yourself and you thought of heaven or whatever, I used to think when I was in, when I was a younger person, you know, if I get to heaven— I'll just be in a corner somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to have like a you know great big place or be known or anything like this. And then you, and then you realize what God's, what God's plan is for you. Mm-hmm. And then you read what Jesus says to the churches in revelation to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne? Yep. Even as I also came to sit down with my father in his throne. Are you kidding me? Like I don't I, just, I I just wanted to be in a corner somewhere. No. That's not what he's doing. Right. And if you think you can slide by into a broom closet somewhere, you got the wrong idea of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. That's not what he's accomplishing.
0: Well, and if we were to say, Hey Christ, can I sit with you in your throne? Right. That would be totally inappropriate. Sure. But when he says no, Come up here. I want you to overcome and you're gonna sit here, for us to say, Oh no, 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 that's okay, that's fine. <laughs> that would be inappropriate. Right. I mean the scripture's clear, we will rule and reign with Christ. Mm. It's uh, what he wants.
2: Yeah. So I want it to. This is what he initially meant for us. This is it, mm-hmm. and he fixes it. It's time to get on board and be excited about it, and not be a jerk, mm-hmm.
1: but be really excited about it. <laughs> and, and just to clarify, Matt, I yeah. I said I know that's part of my sinful play. <laughs> like, I don't want to. I don't really want to be in a broom, broom closet. <laughs> that's
2: what I thought. <laughs> that's where I was living.
1: For Matt will not let I, Brandon. Leave but I mean, this that down. that's no, where it's me, true. That's where my flesh will go. I like, got it. Leave, leave me back here. I think that's where <laughs> everybody is. Nobody would nobody
2: would make up a religion in which this is the goal. Nobody would do that. Nobody, mm-hmm. Ephesians three that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Who wants that? Nobody so, wants that. No religion wants that. For the, that's not that's not the aspiration of anybody. Everybody knows the gods are too big for us that we can never be filled with their fullness. It, God has to reveal this, or nobody would make
1: it up. Yeah, well, and the I other, want the blessings, but not the responsibility. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, and most most religions, you well, know, two of the yeah.
0: understanding of paradise is you just kind of sit around, you know, yep. sip in a smoothie. That's right that's kind of the default and for many Christians that's the default that's not the picture in scripture nope. we are ruling and reigning and working and bringing beauty and enjoying the presence of God for and we are reigning forever and ever and ever that's how the story ends it there's work I mean the the frustration and the futility of the fall that's gone the you know laboring by the sweat of your brow and creation resisting and pushing back because yeah. of our sinful choices that's gone but work is pre-fall and work will be yeah you know post consummation and it's it's, yeah, it's very different from the, the religions of the rest of the world. Trim your wicks. Get the oil ready. The king is coming. It's exciting stuff. What's a
1: wick? <laughs> Just kidding. Dude.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> and on that note, folks, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. And uh, up next, we're going to be talking about uh, God's blueprint for creation. And so we're looking forward to that. And uh, we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.